Welcome back to the True North Podcast. My name is James McKenzie, and I've got Ryan Moore with me today. How's it going, Ryan? Good, man. Good. Glad to be here. Good. Man, we've got a really special guest for you guys today, a guy named James Hugo. What is up? Yes, sir. So James is a really close friend of ours. Um, he is a camp director for True North, and mm-hmm. this guy is ministering to people on a level that um, is not very common. And he is really pouring out so much of himself to so many people right now. And so that's why I felt it was so important to get him on the podcast because uh, you guys need to hear his story and his heart. Um, And I pray that it just inspires you today. Uh, And so, James, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Those are kind words. I'm curious. I'd be curious to hear you unpack some of those kind (laughs) words because... Maybe I need them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to be here, be a part of this. Um, True North has been hugely impactful in my life, and so to do anything to give back is just an honor. Um, yeah, James Hugo is my name. Uh, I have a wife, Leslie. Uh, married almost ten years. We just celebrated nine years. Have two kids, uh, Brady, who's six. He doesn't stop, man. He's a firecracker. Yep. And Blake is my daughter. She will be four in January, and she is just such a joy. Yeah, uh, I just love holding that girl, and yeah. her laugh is the sweetest thing to my ears. Yep. Yeah. Um, on a daily basis, my wife and I, we actually work together. We uh, help people buy and sell homes. We're realtors here in Oklahoma. Um, I heard a guy say the other day, and talking to him, and I totally am stealing this from him, but this is my heart and kind of what Leslie and I do, is we get to steward a moment in time with people. Um, help them find a home that that allows their, them and their family to be their family, a safe place for them uh, to do life. And I just love that. Steward a moment in time with people. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing here too. Yeah. Stewarding a moment in time yep. with, with the listeners. Yep. Yeah. We'll dig into this more, but like to unpack a little bit, your intentionality behind every part of your life is really inspiring. Like just like your job as a realtor, right? Like most people, that's their occupation, but you're viewing it as a moment to point people in a godly direction. And Leslie and I combined, we have um, 15 years of full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. And so real estate is our new adventure, Leslie's been doing it longer than I have. And I, I kind of, we partnered up together a few years ago, but in a sense, I almost feel like this is more ministry than where I was before. Mm-hmm. I have access to people that I'd never have access oh. to. Yeah. And, um, it, yeah, I mean, it just fires me up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'd love to go back in your story and let's hear like, how has James Hugo become, the man that you are today. And so um, what did your childhood look like? I grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, it was good, safe. I had great friends. Yeah. Uh, went to church. Um, I was always a creative kid. My mom was good at fueling that. I remember she, she'd take me to Hobby Lobby and get me all the art crap that I needed to make the things that I wanted to make. And, yeah. and that's fueled me. I, I'm still super artistic and, and if I'm not creating something, uh, I'm I'm getting unhappy. You know, like yeah, I really there's something missing. I come alive yeah. when I'm making something with my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't really say much about my childhood. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Um, um, you'd say pretty typical. It sounds like yeah, pretty just typical. I mean, just good and. Uneventful. Playing with kids in the neighborhood, <laughs> hockey in the streets, riding bikes around. Mm-hmm. S- for the most part, stayed out of trouble mm-hmm. when I was young. Older I got, started getting into more trouble. Um, Did like you have any siblings? So I have an older brother by a few years. Okay. His name is Jake. And then I have a younger sister, five years younger. Uh, her name's Alicia. Okay. So classic middle, middle child syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is Which it, are is you true. pretty typical in that? Which is pretty true. Like I, I remember even being labeled kind of like a peacemaker, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like a counselor among family and stuff like that. Yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. 
my sister will call me and unpack something that's kind of troubling her, and then she'll just start crying. She's like, I don't, I don't know. Anytime I talk to you, I just start crying because she feels safe, you know. And I think that's who, kind of who I've been yeah. a lot in my life. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about um, the spiritual aspects. Like, what was your um, view of God growing up, and what did that look like? When I was saved, I've said it before, it was really mainly out of a fear of not wanting to go to hell mm-hmm. and less of a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And But really experiencing along the way in my, in my life, even as a kid, just a, a joy that does not come apart from God. And knowing that came from him, promptings on doing something, you know, that there was fruit behind my life as a Christian. Um, but intimacy with God was never really something that was attainable or real. Um, definitely all the teaching was systematic, you know, checklist-based, have the quiet time, read your Bible. Uh, and it, it, I just remember thinking, it's so, it was so boring. Yeah. Like, yeah. to me, and, and even as a really young child, I used to just kind of ask the question in my head, like, there's got to be more to a life in Christ than what I'm experiencing and what I'm being taught. And I even think some of the models and the men that were in my life we're living that and maybe they weren't teaching that or maybe it's too much for, I, I don't know, but what I was seeing was not something I wanted to go. That's, that's what I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, that, but I knew I didn't want to go to hell. Yep. I'll hop on board with what you said yep. because I can relate to that. Yep. Like my salvation was more fire insurance. Right. And mm-hmm. so it was more yep. about behaving right. and being a good person to please God mm-hmm. in that way. And, and so I, I totally relate yeah. to what you're saying. And I think that's a lot of people's experience yeah. more about behaving in the checkbox and all those things. Yeah. And this, um, it was less relationship. Right. And so yeah. it was, it was, yeah. Trying to please God, trying to do the right things, um, as opposed to who I am as, based off of the identities Christ has given me, yeah. not because I'm earning it or not. Yeah. Um, almost transactional, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah, we're taught you're saved by, by grace, mm-hmm. right? Through faith, uh, not by anything you can do. And yet often, I believe, like we, we try and live mm-hmm. out of works, mm-hmm to justify our salvation. And that was my experience. Most of growing up was just white knuckling it. Yeah. Just behave, just behave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so that manifests into like the time of your life where you're out of the house. Church does become an option. Your, your faith becomes an option and so with a weak foundation like that of just it's boring, I'm not sure, it's just fire insurance, how did that manifest into uh, the transition into your adult life? Yeah, bailed on church, went back to church because the girl I was dating at the time, we we got invited to go to church and we decided we'd go to church and I was kind of chasing her in there, but... She didn't want anything to do with it Yeah. after a while. And I was like, this is kind of cool. And so I kept going to church, but um, that, that kind of sparked something in me on like, okay, there, there is more to it. I'm starting to see people around my life that, that are modeling something a little different than maybe what I grew up with. So there was a curiosity there. Um, but I think there was still a lot of me that it was transactional. Like I need to go to church so that I can get as opposed to, you know, I, w- I want to, I don't know. Um, I had to learn a lot the hard way. Yep. And it really revealed itself after I got married. Mm-hmm. 
because I think leading up to getting married, it was kind of still this transactional. When you're single too, I think you it's it's easy to overlook the mirror that's really showing you who you are. Yeah. Or yeah. or the sin in your life or you know, you can go home and, and you don't have to deal with yeah. with the ugliness that's still in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you can ignore it and that's what I did. And then I got married. And anybody who's married out there knows, I feel like, man, it was staring into the mirror for one of the first times. And I was like, oh, crap, that yep. is not a yeah. pretty picture. Yeah. Um, that's jumping way ahead, but I think I, I went through church, and that was a really crucial beginning to build a foundation, but getting married was the thing that rocked the boat for yeah. me and made me go, I've got this. I, I've got this all wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the core questions that gets asked of a man uh, that we ask ourselves is, you know, do I have what it takes? And so, mm-hmm. like you said, when you get married, you have that instant person that you're reporting to essentially <laughs> every day that, right. that you're kind of taking that question to, especially if you don't have that solid foundation with God. Right. And so how was that question being answered for you after not being accountable to anyone before that? Yeah, I mean, immediately it was, yeah, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> this doesn't and look and like it. Which immediately tells me I'm obviously doing something wrong, Yeah, which communicates you're a failure. You don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, leading up to getting married, it was kind of like, hey, I've done all these things. I'm going to church. I'm praying with my fiance. I'm, I'm, we're staying pure. You know, it was really important to me. Coming off of relationships in the past that were not, right? And there's a big part of me that was like, because I've done these things, I deserve a good marriage. Comfort. An easy marriage. An easy marriage. I deserve to be handed something that I didn't work for, that I didn't allow God in, really. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, It was an equation-based marriage. Yeah. That did not work. Yeah. You know? And, you know, being married almost 10 years now, I want to make it all about marriage, but, I mean, that is a lot of what God's working on me. And almost 10 years in, like, even if it was equation-based, that equation changes every single day. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. what worked yesterday is not going to work nope. today necessarily. Mm-hmm. So John Eldridge teaches, he said, I think it was one of his sons that said, um, the problem with a woman is she doesn't stay Fearful. saved. She doesn't, oh, yeah. you know, rescuing the beauty. Yeah. Like, she yeah. doesn't stay rescued. Yeah. Every day is a new day. It's almost like a coming through, right? We need to come through for them each right. day. Mm-hmm. What, Whatever that looks like, whether it's just to support them emotionally or spiritually or or just get our butt out of bed and go to work. Right. And then come home and, and be present. Yeah. Like, well, it looks different depending on the situation. And, and the point that that John is trying to get across in that whole section of rescuing the beauty is that the beauty is not made for us to just take and take and take and take from Mm -hmm. the way God created us Mm -hmm. is for us as men to offer our strength Mm -hmm. to women. That's a rescue in a, in and of itself. Like that has nothing to do with, you know, whether the beauty's in a safe spot or not, like right. whether they had a tragic past or they are independent and they've done, they've built a successful life for themselves. Anytime a man can offer his strength mm-hmm. to a woman, like that's a rescue. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a rescue in the, in the gospel project of, of what's happening in humanity and the way yeah. God created us to be. You know, that being a negative feeling for a woman though, I think it would be like, 
who's doing the rescuing? Like in any story, it's a hero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm the hero, it puts me above. Mm -hmm. It's like, but God's the hero. My strength is coming from Christ when I'm loving and rescuing my wife Mm -hmm. well and pursuing Mm -hmm. her well. It's not from my own strength, but if it was, it would be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you are married, first year of marriage, Mm -hmm. still don't have a strong foundation in your faith. You're having to look in the mirror every day. Talk about what took place from there, because as I understand it, your marriage isn't going great, right? No. (laughs) We... Would both agree on that. We were roommates. We made it a lot harder than it should be. We were easily butthurt with simple things, you know, and it's just all the realization of like, we're different people. And like leading up to marriage, it's kind of like, oh, we're the same. We've got all these things in common. Then you get married. It's like, we've got nothing in common. Yep. You know, yeah, and and then just learning to live with somebody and and learn um, how to be married. And I, I, in a lot of sense, almost feel like people had lied to me. Yeah. Like, this, no, why didn't nobody nobody told me yeah. how hard it was going to be? Yeah. Mm. And um, so yeah, I, I think lying to myself, um my expectations of marriage, um, the equation based faith and marriage. I did these things and it should add up to a result that I want. And, um, instead of having to work for it. So first year of marriage, um, within a year we were in a pretty bad space and I had taken a job too, that was overworking me incredibly. And that just fueled the fire and, and uh, resentment is just a really interesting thing mm. of, man, once it gets in there um, and you're viewing, I was just viewing Leslie um, through, like, she could do no right, you know? Yeah. And that's the place we got. And, and I didn't even realize it, yeah. that it was just viewing it through that lens. So that was a really dangerous a real dangerous point in our marriage. And she would say the same, but I'm going to make it about her tell my side of the story. You know, what were some of the things you were saying to yourself? Um, Can you remember? So, you know, if we're going off of like the enemy's lies, yeah. Um, and, and kind of wholesale agreeing to some of these lies, they were much like John has taught in his, his messages of like, even from like our honeymoon, kind of like, Oh my gosh. I may have made a mistake. Um, We, we were engaged four months after our first date. We got married five months after that. So things like, man, I I think we got married too quickly Um, to, I know we got married too quickly Mm -hmm. to, you know, just things like, man, this isn't fun. And, and, you know, being like agreeing with that. Yep. To, man, this this might have been a mistake. Yeah. This was a mistake. You know, you're going to be miserable mm. just like your parents. Mm. And we all compensate for the things, you know, I'm going to do it different. And when that different wasn't working out for me is when it was just like, well, where do I go from here? Right. I yeah. thought I was going to be able to do this better. Yeah. yeah. Then when you go through it, then you kind of turn around and empathize and understand. I I forget if it was John or Morgan or somebody said, you know, in your 20s, you're all exclamation points. In your 30s and 40s, you, you replace those with question marks. Question with question yeah. marks. Yeah. yeah. And that's the phase of life that I'm in and kind of have been in the last 10 years. I turned 40 in October. Yeah. And so I've got a lot more questions um, then answers. Yeah. yeah, we re we reached a year, a little after a year, and 
through whatever dumb argument we were having. And we really didn't argue a lot. Like we were, we were roommates. We were, you know, we just kind of, we had fun occasionally, but there was a lot of resentment on both sides there. Through some dumb argument, I said, hey, I think we need to talk about a divorce. Mm. And, you know, at that point in my marriage, it was kind of like my equation didn't work out, work out the way I thought it was going to work. And so I was I was bailing on God. It was kind of like, yeah. your thanks losses. for nothing. Yeah. yeah, you didn't come through for me. I felt cheated because I felt like people didn't tell me the truth about marriage. My equation didn't work out. And I was meeting with other godly men and saying, man, this, something ain't right. This isn't working the way I thought. What do I do? And most of what I was getting was like, give it time. And there's a lot of truth in that, right? Yeah. Just give it time. But it wasn't like, dude, I'm, and maybe I wasn't giving them enough. I don't know. But in my mind, I'm meeting with these guys going, I'm going down. I am sinking fast. Yeah, just the fact that um, you were bringing it up was a huge deal, right? But maybe it was. Maybe they didn't realize. And I the think they were maybe half it. attempts. We were actually even going to counseling at the time. Yeah, we had like one session left, and then all that happened. Yeah, and maybe we were just telling the counselor what we thought we should. We were posing our way through counseling, yeah. and I think I didn't think I was. And it was, it's back to the equation thing, right? If we go to counseling, this will get better. And even going through counseling, I, I remember thinking things like, this isn't working, I'll make it through counseling, and then I'll pull the ripcord. Mm. Which sounds so, I don't mean that like, like super easy, like I just made that decision, but my I was so deeply sad and suffering in my marriage you know, she wants another lie. She wants this just as much as I do. Yeah. And she said that, yeah. you know, she thought she did. But when it came out, it was like, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she wanted to kind of talk through it and process it. And, and, and again, equation based, like at the beginning of our marriage, I wanted to talk about everything because my parents were a sweep it under the rug type of deal. So I figured, hey, if we talked about everything, we'd have good communication, we'd have a better marriage. And but I overcompensated. It's like not everything actually needs to be talked about, mm-hmm. right? And so we reached this, and and at that point, it was like really a lot of it was embarrassing. Kind of like, man, I can't believe I did this. Mm-hmm. I got myself to this, and I'm really screwing up somebody else's life too. Like I did feel really bad, but I was like, I was suffering. Anyway, um, yeah, we kind of talked a little bit that night, but it was like she went to bed, and I really was so embarrassed, I feel like, and so hard to stone. I couldn't even, like, get in bed. So I slept out on the couch. Really, and I'm processing this right now, like creating distance between us knowing where I was going to take this. You know, it was almost like, man, if I stayed in proximity of her, she might convince me. And I didn't want, I was you were done. not about to be convinced. Yeah. I didn't want anything. Yeah. And she kept quiet. And so it was kind of like, she gave me space, but also was like, hey, can we at least talk about this? And it was no, 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 no. The next day I called my buddy who recently went to through a divorce to seek advice. He told me who his attorney was. And man, I was on the phone right after that phone call, yeah. setting up an appointment with an attorney for a few days later. So that I mean, I when I say fast track, I mean You made your mind up. I I made my mind up, but I knew it was a race. Like, it's scary, but I I knew it was a race versus spirit and flesh. Mm. And like, because I knew if I let God even, if I gave him even an inch. Yeah. You know, he, which is really scary to think that's the place I was in. Yeah. That I was aware enough 
and I was seeking to please the flesh or whatever you want to call it, you know, like, yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. I was in a race well, against God. Well, so far your history has been like you give up these things for him in your mind in an equation where you give up, he'll show up. And so you've got this history where. It's, yeah, it's not working out. It's, it just doesn't work. So why? Yeah. Why would you want? And it never really offer, had. Yeah. Right? Why, why would you want him to offer you another equation? Because that's your relationship with God. Like, if you no. let him catch up to you and speak into the situation, you're faced with yet another equation. Yeah. And so, yeah. What's attractive good. about that for you? Nothing. Right. right. So, what happens? Yeah. Going, uh, what happens for the next couple of days after that? Man, the next couple of days is is me working. Um. Staying late, really just trying to create more distance yeah. between me and Leslie and, and showing up. I never stayed anywhere else, stayed on the couch. And every time I'd come home, she'd be like, can we talk now? Sleep on the couch. I didn't get any sleep for days, you know, about three or four days into this thing. Um, I tell her, hey, I've got an appointment with a divorce attorney. And that and she she hadn't told anyone she had kept this very private kind of thinking like this is going to blow over, give him space. And, um, so when I told her that she was really surprised and she even asked me like, what's the hurry? And that, and that was the, you know, the hurry is it's the race. Mm -hmm. If I give it time, I'll be convinced. Yeah. Um, so I told her that. And then the morning, of the day I was going to go meet the divorce attorney. She was like, you're really going to do this. And uh, coldly, I walked out of the house. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. And um, that's when she kind of sounded the alarms. So she called our family. She, we worked at Life Church at the time. Leslie did. Um, she called her boss. She went up to work. They prayed over her, met with the head pastor. He prayed over her. So now it's this private thing has gone just massively public. Mm -hmm. And my phone starts to ring just like crazy off the hook. Um, so I turn off my phone. And I'm kind of pissed, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like wherever you guys been. Yeah. It's kind of how it feels like. I don't want nothing to do with you guys. I was like pretty prepared to just leave, pack up, leave and move to another town and start over again. Yeah. Mm. Just like, um, so I was mad. I was mad at my friends. Um, so yeah, I meet with a divorce attorney and she's like, Oh yeah, this will be easy. It'll be done in like 30 days. We had been married long. Hadn't had many assets together. And part of me deep down wanted some resistance on that. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted kind of somebody to push back, especially somebody I wasn't close to, you know, and that, that kind of surprised me. Um, so I, I had dinner that night with a buddy of mine, different guy who had also recently been through a divorce thinking like I'm going to get some advice. He's, he's going to make me feel better about this. And the only thing it did was make me scared. Like he was like, you're going to go crazy for a while. It's going to be a lot harder than you think. And I was like, well, that, that doesn't sound wasn't good. What I wanted. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that you're supposed to make me feel better. So I went home that night. Leslie in tears is like, so what? how to go or whatever, you know, what do you ask? How'd your meeting go with the divorce attorney? And told her that, you know, she said it was going to be easy and we'd be done in no time. And then it's like, well, how are we going to do this? We're then logistics of it. And mm -hmm. I didn't still didn't want to talk about anything. So it was just kind of like, we'll figure it out. Golly, man, it's hard to kind of go into this story again. You know, like it, just like reminds me and reveals like how 
how like isolated, cold, and dark of a place I had gotten. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was trying to do it the way it had been modeled, right? So, went to bed that night. Um, and and I think that night was that was the pivotal moment. Not not only in my marriage, but just in my faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like this agreement on like I'm just turning my back on God, but I knew I was. You know, it wasn't any. Thing, like I'm done with God and really like the the sick lie is too and I've seen friends do this is like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go make this other life for myself because I'm going to lose all my friends through this and I still like like at the back of my mind it's like I still want to like go and have a, a faith-filled life and be a part of a church and do all you know what I mean like yeah. there's this weird yeah, there's, there's like, this I weird can, like, delusion. I can bail on this, start over. and it's mm-hmm. super dishonoring to God, but I can start over and create a life I'm happy with. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's really twisted. And be God-honoring. And be right. God-honoring. It's, yes. it's a little delusional. And it yeah. it's super delusional. Yeah. And a lot of it, though, is I've seen other people do that. Why can't I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I still don't have answers to a lot of those questions. But that was how I was rationalizing things. Yeah. Well, Joe, they got a divorce and and he's remarried and way, you know, way more happy than mm-hmm. he was in his first marriage. Yep. Why can't that be me? Mm-hmm. Really messed up thinking, but it's kind of like whatever's gonna help me get through it. Yep. So I really didn't want to talk to Leslie that night. I'd had my phone off. Everybody's trying to reach out and and um be a friend and do ministry work on me. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I think because Leslie sounded those alarms, there were more people praying for me simultaneously than probably ever have. Right. And so in the spiritual world, I think there was just a war and all out. Yeah. Um, So I went to bed that night and really for the first time um, started to be able to sleep. And slept in this position of like on my back with my arms crossed, almost like a hugging position. And um, fell asleep. And I woke up to my right arm like dropping on my chest. Like it, like my arm was raised up and it just dropped on my chest. And, and I was like, whoa, that's a weird response to stress yeah. was what I said. Went back to sleep. It happened again. And then I rolled over after that had happened several times and laid on my arms. I'm getting frustrated. I'm tired. I just want, I want rest, right? I want rest. I want rest from these problems. I want physical rest, mental rest, spiritual rest. So I roll over and lay on my arms and my, my right arm like went to this flexing position and I woke up my biceps in a knot. So I stretched my arm out and I'm massaging my bicep. And that happened several times. And and finally, I start to think, I think there's a supernatural event happening. Mm-hmm. Like something supernatural is happening. Mm-hmm. But much like my response to my friends texting me, I was angry. Yeah. And so it was like, where have you been, God? I'm not going to talk to you about this. Um. So I had this just stubbornness, anger. Um, So it happened. The last time it happened, I sat up and I just said, what? (laughs) And that, and like, (laughs) that was the inch. That was the inch that I gave God Mm -hmm. saying, what? And like, and, and this just ridiculous peace washed over me. Um, it did not belong. 
in this situation. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, it, 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 yeah, it, it was a, a rescue. It was a rescue mission. Yeah. Yeah. I've never said it in those words, but that's what it was. Yeah. Um, he he plucked me out of a space and and kind of gave me a, a breath of air. And, and in that moment, it was like oh, the relief that I say I wanted. It was like it wasn't about a situation, wasn't anything like that. You know, it was just relief from this. It, it wasn't fixing anything in that moment. It was just being in his presence um, and sitting in that just brought so much peace. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just all in like seconds, right? Just a fraction of a moment. And I, I immediately grabbed my phone and just started writing in my phone. And God's just downloading so much and the main message of what i was writing was he was revealing to me what i what i looked like you know he was showing me a picture of myself my sin Mm -hmm. how i was behaving how i was judging um how i was controlling and making all these decisions in my own life um not seeking him um but then he was also showing me who I was, right? My identity, um, how much he loved me, regard even regardless of my behavior, my sin, and ugliness leading up to all this. And my phone died before I had a chance to finish, and I went back to sleep. I like plugged it in, went back to sleep, and it like woke me up the same way. And what's mm-hmm. funny to me is like, like how would I wake up my six-year-old son right now if he's just like super rebellious? There might be like a little bit of play in there. Like I could imagine going yeah. in there and lifting up his arm and just dropping it because it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I look back at that and I go, it's kind of an ornery way <laughs> to get my attention. Right. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I am. Mm-hmm. Um. Just a side note yeah. that I think is unique. So it woke me up again. I got my phone finished. And uh, a lot of like, I remember writing in there like, man, one of the things I'm really good at is taking a grain of sand and, and turning it into a boulder, mm. you know, making a bigger deal out of things. And, and um, But there's part of that in like allowing Satan to do that too, you know. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of what our first year was like. Um, so, yeah, I wrote all that, and I went to bed with this just ridiculous piece in a situation that I'm like, here's the situation. I've said I want a divorce. I've met with a divorce attorney. Uh, all my friends and family know, like, everything is out there. Yep. I might as well be walking around naked, yeah. right? I am yeah. fully exposed at this point yeah. from everything, but I'm just like, there's a peace there. And it's not about like your marriage is going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. It's just like, I, I knew that God loved me. And regardless of the destructive decisions I've made, like tomorrow's going to be okay no matter what happens. And I'm I'm going to trust him for whatever's next. And that's all because he just showed up. Yeah. And gave you peace. Yeah. So the next morning I wake up and I go, like, we're sleeping in different rooms, but I go to the, our bathroom to get ready. And she, like, sees me. And, and I think she could just see physically. I probably was different. And so she's like, you okay? And I was like, 
Yeah, I'm still, I'm like kind of shell-shocked, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a good word for it, because yeah. like yeah. war happened mm-hmm. that night. And I'm like, yeah, like I think so. <laughs> I know I'm okay. Like, how do you navigate? Mm-hmm. How do you navigate yeah. this? Like, I'm sitting here going, I can't just walk in and go like, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what happened. God showed me who I really am yeah. and how much he loves me and things are going to be different. And, and, and simultaneously, I'm thinking like, my dad threatened divorce mm. and didn't follow through with it. And like, right. I didn't want to be the, a butt, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that guy that flippantly throws that out there. Yeah. It was almost more, that's so twisted, but it was almost yeah. like more honorable to follow through with yeah. a threat. Yeah. Be yeah. a man. Like you, you yeah. almost wanted to be a man of your word, yeah. even though it even was though like it was the horrible. most terrible yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's so twisted. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know how to even begin. So I tell her, I was like, man, some things happened last night or something like that. I said, I'm processing it. Which I feel like I could have just sat down and told her, but I didn't want to look like an idiot. So I was like, we'll talk. Like, but I just need some time to like think. And it wasn't like a cold thing, you know, and she was kind of like, okay. And I went to work and then I worked for an ad agency, 60 to 80 hour weeks. But thankfully my boss was a Christian and, and I, I went to work and I was like, dude, my head is not in it. Here's what's going on. And this was the first he had heard of anything. Here's where things are at up to this point. Yeah. I need to leave. And he was like, go. So I left and I was like, I went to go hiking. And and I realized I never like really made a covenant marriage. That that next day after that, when God woke me up. And it was just more about like saying the right things at the wedding, not tripping, not throwing up, not, you know, I was nervous about, and I realized like I'd never just all in on this marriage. And so that day I was like, I'm I'm in it. No matter what happens, like I'm ready to fight for this. And so as an, as an artist, I was like, I want something to symbolize this day that I can come back to something tangible so I went hiking and I found this stone in the ground and I was like, started carving away at it with my pocket knife. And I was like, oh, this is sandstone. This will be easy. I can carve whatever I want in it. It'll be awesome. Maybe one day if my marriage survives, I'll bring Leslie back here and unpack this story that God's beginning to tell. So I started carving this rock and then I realized it's not sandstone. And it's pretty difficult stone, but I had gotten committed just enough to be like, I kind of feel like I can't start this. But then I'm hearing these like, oh, like there's this weird parallel that God's like teaching me yeah. through carving this stone. Like mm. I can't start this and just bail on it. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, God, I hear that. And like sometimes there's you get in a groove with carving this stone and it's pretty easy and enjoyable. And then other times there's stuff underneath the surface, little added pebbles or whatever in the rock that make it difficult and that needs more attention, needs more work, more maybe even different tools. Um, I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay, God, I see what you're saying. And I'm just like, it's actually not, oh, okay, God, I see what you're saying. It's like weeping, like I'm crying over the stone. Mm. And then, I mean, it is like, Straight out of a movie, heart, a J and an L. I didn't, super tacky, and I wanted it to be that. And, and, but I get to these imperfections, and I remember standing up and thinking, this is too difficult. I'm going to go find something easier. And I was like, whoa, that, okay, dude. (laughs) Okay, God, I'm going to, we're going to do this. So I, I got down, continued on. Then I finished, and it's the letter J and the letter L, and then 
they're almost the same letter unfolded like a book, but they're a little bit different. And that's what makes a J a J and an L an L. And that's okay that they're different. And I mean, this is just elementary, (laughs) like (laughs) premarital counseling, right? But like to hear it from my father is everything. And I had never taken him questions like that. So this is really one of the first times in my life I start hearing deeply from God and, and trusting his voice in it. So from from there I do that, and then I go home that evening, and I'm like, man, I, I need to talk to a counselor or leader or somebody about how do I... Where do I go from here with Leslie? And that evening we're talking and I'm like still trapped in my head of like, I don't want to be the fool that just swings back and says like, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, God, what do I do here? And we're talking and she's like, just tell me what happened. I'm like, I don't know. And so, so all I could think to do was read her what I wrote in my phone of what God was saying about me and the situation and mm-hmm. and even who Leslie is, like in that note, revealing his love for Leslie and who Leslie is. So all I could think to do was read her that letter. And she was across the room, arms crossed. She wants to get the story out and she's hopeful, right? But she's mm-hmm. still pissed right. about the situation. So I began to read this thing and just like can barely get it out. I'm just just crying so hard and before i'm done she's right next to me and we're just side by side both just in tears uh, reading this letter um and i we both knew it was like in that moment as as together we were like Without words, it was like, we don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I think we're going to be okay, Yeah, you know? And there was a lot of work to be done. But that was a really cool thing of like, we're both all in um, at that point. And there's no secrets. Like, all our friends knew everything. So the fear of, like, holding up, some reputation was gone, so it didn't ma- it didn't matter now what anybody thought, um, and God really began to become the center of our marriage, um, and we started to learn how to not fitting God into your life, but God being the center of your life. Yeah, it's like you can't compartmentalize Him and no. put Him as a piece of the equation. He is all of it. He's all of it. And apart from that, like, we're going to fall on our face every time. What a beautiful story, man. It's so inspiring. Yeah, that was eight years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to just know, like, the what. The one inch that you gave him, that's all it took. And he was right there just waiting for it. Yeah. It just shows, like, Jesus is such a gentleman, and he wants to help us, (laughs) you know? But he's not. He doesn't barge his way in, man. He has to be invited. Yeah. But when he is invited, man, he he shows up in a big way. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So what did it look like after that? Like a lot of work. A lot of a a lot lot of work. We immediately were in like counseling the next like a day or two later to have our last counseling (laughs) session. (laughs) That was very revealing. Mm -hmm. Uh it was a, it was a good counselor. I don't know that it was like crazy beneficial. We learned some tools. One of the things that God kind of spoke to me in carving that rock too was like, "Hey, listen, you have a huge tool bag full of tools. You've read the books. You've done the tests. You've mm-hmm. gone to counseling. You've spoken to friends. But like, when are you going to start applying these things? Like, you're looking for the the magic, the silver bullet." that's just going to make it easy, right? The path of least resistance. And it's like, that's not, 
Like beauty doesn't always come from the path of least resistance, you know. So that it was less about like getting counseling or reading the right book, and it was more about like it's time to start doing the work. Mm -hmm. And the work really was it's time to start getting over yourself for both of us. Yeah. So, you know, not talking about every little thing that came up was huge for me to have like, all right, for me to just be like, get over things, right? Mm -hmm. A situation would come up and it'd be like, is this something that needs to be discussed? Is it, or should I just forgive and, and move on? And so to be able to have conflict, work on it, and then move forward in our day was something we started practicing. And it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, one little conflict can wreck a weekend. Yeah. And yeah. like now we can work through some stuff where it's like in the same day, and then really enjoy each other's company. Yeah. But, you know, the way God spoke to me, I just felt tremendously loved. You know, like, out of all that that happened, like God loved me so much to come to me and speak to me in that way, yeah. Yeah. regardless, in spite of my rebellion. Yeah. I was... The one, right? The 99 out of the 99 yeah. came for me. Yeah. Um, so I remember getting in an argument not long after that with Leslie, and she just started crying. She was like, is this going to be the thing that... I was like, no, 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 no. You know, like the fear had been yeah. removed and replaced. Um, and that's a daily thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um to fight against those things and fear and everything, but talk to, let's talk about a little bit, um, the fruits of your marriage now, just a, just a summary. You don't have to go into detail, but yeah, just showing like change oh, in your marriage. Yeah. Um, my grandfather used to say like, like, man, if he, anybody I ever dated, he would be like, can she laugh? And I was, I've always thought that was just such a weird, the way he asked that question. Mm -hmm. But like, man, you want to talk about fruit, like just laughter in our home. And like, man, it makes me like, when, when there's laughter from the belly, God, God is in that. Yeah. It might not always be appropriate laughter. <laughs> a lot of fart jokes and oh, stuff yeah. in our house, but oh, yeah, um, like laughter is such a fruit in our in our family, and just silliness and like to be able to be weird and dance and sing and off key and 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 truly just be yourself. Like when I see Leslie just doing something that to anybody else, like it could be super embarrassing for her to do that in front of anybody else, but she feels safe with me to just be super weird. Yeah. Like, oh man, what a fruit. What a fruit. It's so good. Yeah. Um, to, we've, we've seen, I mean, we've seen quite a few couples and friends nosedive in their marriage and and, and um, over the years I think through that it's like man we, we've got to be more intentional and be more serious about where we're going in our faith and so that's something just more recently over the last couple of years of one of, the, one of the things that I had kind of thought was like man I don't know if Leslie is going to want to go to the places that I feel like God is calling me to go, not even knowing what they were, but knowing they might challenge that equation-based Christian walk on like, I don't know where this is going to go, yeah. but I'm willing to take a step. Yeah. But then not, I, I don't, I didn't want to be one of those guys that left their wife in the dust because God's leading them and they're just chasing at it mm -hmm. and let go of their wife's hand. Right. And so it's like, I was in this weird in-between stalemate. And I remember thinking, like, 
that was something I had to give to God. And so I gave that to God and I was like, I'm just going to start running. And the thing I'm going to do is just share everything yeah. with Leslie along the way, no matter how weird it or uncomfortable or different it was, um, I'm just going to share it with her. And that's like a more recent thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love the restoration of your marriage. Yeah. Like me too. That like Jesus. When when did you get saved? Oh man. I I honestly I would guess like 8. 8 years old. Yeah. And yet the rest of your story is just a rescue mission. Yeah. Like how much priority was your heart in the kingdom of God? Mm. And and what we're seeing now, like, it was, like, that's what Jesus came for. Yeah. What happened with you? And so I hope everyone listening hears that. Like, God is after your heart. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't give up on James at eight years old because, okay, well, he's in, he's got his name on the, the roster for heaven now, so going to focus on everybody right. else like you still were the one that he came after yeah. and all he wanted was an inch from you and as soon as you gave it to him your life's never been the same mm-hmm. and i actually really can't wait to have you on again and because there's a lot that you've been doing the past couple of years that people need to hear about yeah. um and the fruits of god's pursuit of your heart are just just so cool to talk about but yeah. But for today, man, your story I think is going to bless a lot of people. I think that they're gonna they're gonna realize that they might need to give God an inch somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope you're not offended if we call this podcast James Hugo. <laughs> With give an inch, everything's impossible. <laughs> or everything's possible, but uh, yeah. But man. Uh, inspirational story. Thanks for your vulnerability. Um, I wish everybody could see the emotions on your face talking mm. through that yeah. because it's impactful and just love you to death, man. And, yeah. and so glad that you're a part of what we're doing and, and you're now rescuing the hearts of other men consistently. And it's beautiful to watch. So, yeah. so thanks for being on today, man. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Yeah. It's awesome. Love you, man. Your uh, your stories are so encouraging, especially what God is doing lately. And like James said, we're gonna have to have you back on and just have you share some of the m- more recent things. But um, man, you're such an encouragement and a joy to be around. Like you talk about laughter in your house, yeah. dude. Like you are legitimately are one of my favorite people. Yeah. Anybody, <laughs> if anybody asks about like, do you know James Hugo or what? Like I'm like. He's one of my favorite human beings. Like, yeah. I love being around you because you bring joy into the room. Yeah. You know, Thank you're you. like, uh, it's, uh, it's all over you. So, yeah. um, and, uh, and it's an, it's, it's an inspiration because like what you were talking about earlier in your story about, you know, whenever you saw other men in your life that were following Jesus or were Christians anyway, um, it wasn't all that attractive. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I can I can say yes. that when people look at your life and and just how you walk it out, it's attractive. Yep. And that and that is what we need more of in the men who are actually walking mm. in unity with God. And so you're you're That's doing good. it. You're doing well. I have some good models now. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. My, my only goal is just to be attractive to the leadership on (laughs) truth. You're killing it, man. man. You're killing it. But like uh, another thing, like I also think when we talk about models and and what I was seeing was maybe not an encouraging thing to go after. I don't know how hard I was looking for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think they were there. Um, and I think even some of the people that I would look at and go, that's not what I want. Like there was obviously more there than what I was seeing, but some of the models I have today are just like, man, that mm-hmm. that's possible. Yeah. Like that's a real thing. Yeah. 
Like that kind of intimacy with God exists. And I'm hanging around those people. Yep. Yeah. So the joy that I may be bringing is yeah. coming with a whole lot of good men behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.